Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I'm so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. Friends, I'm so excited about today's episode because today we're talking about how to build our dream careers while also creating work-life harmony and making sure we avoid burnout. I'm excited about this episode because a lot of us have big dreams, but we don't know how to begin. Or maybe we have started, but we want to know how we can continue to grow or push our creativity without feeling totally burned out. And while this may seem like an overwhelming feat, our guest is here to show you why this is possible, and it's because she's done it herself. Our guest for today's episode is my new friend, Tina Wells. Tina is a speaker, a brand builder, the author of more than 20 books, and an introspective entrepreneur recognized by Fast Company as one of the 100 most creative people in business. Whoa. For over two decades, she led Buzz Marketing Group, an agency she founded at 16 with clients like Dell, the Oprah Winfrey Network, Kroger, Apple, P&G, Johnson & Johnson, and American Eagle. She also has a whole collection of office supplies at Target, amazing, called Elevation, and a new book called The Elevation Approach. In it, she shares about how to meet your goals without sacrificing joy for productivity and progress. During our conversation, you're gonna get to hear about the journey that led to Tina's success as an entrepreneur and the practices she's implemented to create work-life harmony and stay creative in her work. You guys are going to love her. But before we dive in, one of the things that keeps me the most grounded and that helps me avoid burnout is counseling. If you've been considering going to therapy, but you've been wondering where to find a good counselor or how to afford it, there's a resource I wanted to share with you. It's one of our amazing Girls' Night podcast sponsors, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a website where you can get matched up with a Christian counselor for professional online therapy sessions. This truly is the easiest and most affordable way to find a faith-based counselor. Now, you may have heard me talk about Faithful Counseling before, but just in case you haven't, I wanted to tell you a few quick reasons why I love them so much. First, it's really easy to get started. All you have to do is go to their website, fill out a form about yourself, what you're going through, and what you're looking for in a counselor. And within 24 hours, Faithful Counseling will connect you with a licensed, vetted, faith-based professional counselor. The second reason I love them is that it's really easy to find the right counselor for you. In order for counseling to be truly beneficial, you have to find a counselor you connect with. And often we don't find the right person on our first try. But with Faithful Counseling, if you don't love your counselor or if you find that you're looking for something different, you can switch by clicking a button. It's easy and it's free. They really make it easy to find the best fit possible. And then the last reason I love them so much is that it's so much easier to fit into your budget. Now, don't get me wrong. I love traditional in-person counseling, but it can cost more than $100 per session, which just makes it a total no-go for so many of us, especially in a time when the economy is in flux. But Faithful Counseling is significantly less expensive, and you guys, they have financial aid available. And if you sign up through the special link that they gave me, you can get 10% off your first month. Friends, if therapy is something that you've been considering or something you think might be helpful for you right now, head on over to stephaniemaywilson.com slash counseling, and that link will also give you 10% off your first month. Again, that's stephaniemaywilson.com slash counseling for all the info, and you can get 10% off your first month of counseling there too. Okay, you guys ready? Let's jump into the episode with Tina. All right, friends, I'm so excited for who you get to meet today. I'm sitting here with my new friend, Tina Wells. Tina, thanks so much for coming on the show. Stephanie, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Um, For women who haven't gotten to meet you yet, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself? Oh, sure. Okay, um... I am Tina Wells. I am a an entrepreneur, a speaker, um, author, and brand builder. And one fun fact about me is I have over a hundred first cousins. My mom is one of fourteen, and so <laughs> I, I come from a massive, massive family. And I am the oldest of six, so lots of family around. That is wild. Do you? <laughs> Like, you know all of them, right? Or like, could, could... I do. Well, my mom is the 12th out of 14. And so okay. also most of my cousins are older. 
Okay. Okay. That is amazing. Um, do you guys have any like traditions where you all get together at <laughs> the same time or? <laughs> it was like, pretty much Thanksgiving most of my life. I mean, Thanksgiving for me was a small Thanksgiving was 80 people, three turkeys, like two hams, <laughs> and tons of things. And the, the thing I always tried to do was like land an item on the menu. And I ended up doing it successfully. Let's say in my 20s, I started making apple pie and that got okay. me on, you know, the Thanksgiving list. But it was, I mean, Thanksgiving, <laughs> you know, when you have a huge family, it was like meet everybody's new boyfriend or girlfriend and see, like oh, it was yeah. always the thing. But you knew if you were in, if you got the invite to come to our family Thanksgiving. That is, that's pretty epic. Um, I love that. <laughs> that's awesome. Um so you, I know that you're, I, I'm really excited to get to hear your story. Um, I know that you have a new book coming out and that you have been building or, or um, pursuing dreams for a really long time. And I know that every woman in our community has a dream of some kind. Um, not all of the mm-hmm. women in our community are entrepreneurs, but a lot of them are. And, but n- like whether your dreams are more entrepreneurial or or not, everyone has something where they're like, I've always wanted to do this, but I'm not totally sure how, or I've started, I'm not sure how to grow it. And then there are absolutely women in our community who are in the thick of doing whatever it is they set out to do, but they're exhausted. Um, And so that's really kind of who we're talking to today. We're talking to, we'll say dreamers who are looking to start something, kind of builders who are in the thick of it, trying to like get something off the ground. And then people who are running at a dead sprint and really could use some encouragement along the way. So I want to start though by just hearing some of your story. You became an entrepreneur at a really young age, right? Can you tell us, like, walk us through the story of of your journey? Yeah. So first I want to say, Stephanie, if I could bring you to my marketing meetings, I think you've just distilled like three <laughs> three different customer avatars of in my marketing mind that I'm like, yes, yes, and yes. That one, that one, that one. Isn't it funny that how... One, that one, that one. <laughs> Lord, it is so much easier, I feel like, to talk about someone else's stuff than it is to talk about <laughs> our own. I'm like, oh, if someone can just describe this for me, that would be great. Seriously, that was yeah. quite well done. Um, yeah, but to I, answer to you. your question... <laughs> to answer your question, I... I did start really young. I started as a teenager. I always like to be really honest and say I was an accidental entrepreneur. You know, I, I wanted to be a fashion writer. I didn't start out thinking I would run a business. I certainly didn't think that I would launch brands at retailers, right? I, I didn't think that was my trajectory at all. I really just was really interested in fashion and wanted to pursue it. And What really happened at 15 is when I got my job at the New Girl Times, answering an ad in 17 Magazine, started writing product reviews, would send, you know, clips of the reviews to the companies I wrote about. They would always say, I love what you had to say. If I send you more stuff, will you keep telling me what you think? I thought that was a gig. I didn't think there was money involved. You know, there are all these things I learned and it was almost like my own little yellow brick road, right? I would just go a step and go a step and go a step and someone else would be there and say, did you know this? Did you know that? Until finally I looked back and thought, wow, I've come a long way. But it was like these little angels that were always saying, you know, I remember the angel who called me in my dorm room and I, you know, and said, hey, you and your friends just did something that was 10 times better than what I paid for. It's called market research. Go figure it out, right? And then I have the angel who is my you know, professor at the time who runs the business department. And I go in during office hours and say, this person just said I should make money doing this hobby of mine. And she kind of looked at me strange and said, take an independent study with me. We're going to make it a business, right? And so I had all these people who just helped me, you know, and helped me figure it out. And so, um, you know, the brand and the things I do now, I, I definitely think I'm a lot more intentional with my time and definitely intentional in this stage in my life. But early on, I think it's important for, you know, your listeners and viewers to understand I did not have this together. I didn't know what I was doing. I would have considered myself a dreamer for sure. You know, a girl, a suburban Jersey girl with huge, you know, really, really big dreams, but didn't totally have the tools. And I was very fortunate to get 
a lot of guidance, help, next steps. And, and just, I had a lot of grit to kind of get me to the next thing. Yeah. I love that. So, so tell me like what turned into what turned into what? So you started by doing these Mm -hmm. product reviews. And then when you got to college, you were, what did that turn into? So it turned into a market research business and it was a small research business until, let's see, until about 2000 when Cosmo Girls, this is like issue two of Cosmo Girl magazine. And they're like, we're going to blurb about what you're doing on this page that was called um, Cash In. It was like an entrepreneurship page. And they wrote about an opportunity to be what I was calling a buzz spotter, like a trend spotter with me. And I got 15,000 applications from teens all over the world. Again, this was like 2001. People were calling Cosmo Girl Magazine. It was bananas. And they were like... (sighs) you've got to figure out. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to interview 15,000 people. This is crazy. Like I just built my first website and that we got through it and ended up onboarding 9,000 people into a a research network that eventually grew to over 30,000 people. But, you know, a lot of these really cool opportunities, you know, and again, the women who were early on in my career are still women that are part of my career next phase now. And so, you know, those like relationships matter, cultivating good relationships, showing up for your relationships, no matter what season you're in, it's so important because they matter for the next season. And I can tell you now at almost 43, there are people I met at 20 who are still really important to me and really integral into in my career right now, you know? And yeah. so... It's a lot of taking opportunities that led to the next thing, you know, and was, you know, post-college getting the call that I was going to be in a cover story for O Magazine and what happened after that, you know, and then, you know, many years later getting the call to produce the Super Soul 100 for Oprah Winfrey Network. So I've, you know, I've been very fortunate to have really, you know, serendipitous, great moments in life. But as, as you know, and your listeners and viewers know, you also have to show up for the work. It's not just about getting the opportunity. It's about really showing up fully to deliver the very best that you can for that particular opportunity. Yeah, I love that. And I love that, like, I love how you said little angels along the way, you know, just people who Mm -hmm. were willing to take the time to answer your question, take the time to invest in you. And like, you didn't have to go to your professor's office hours. A lot of people don't. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't know that I went to very many professors' office hours in college, except for like my journalism professors. Those were, that was the thing that I cared about enough to really, really invest in it. And because of that, I got lots of extra time with them and lots of extra opportunities. And, but I I mean, but I didn't do that for anybody else. And so I didn't get anything extra in any (laughs) of their places. And um, so I, I like that combo. And, and I also like that every step was just one small step. You, it's just really hard to know, or maybe impossible to know how something is going to, like to, I guess, set an end point that you actually end up getting to from where you're standing. Because so many different doors, like you had no idea that that all of those women were going to apply. You had no way of of anticipating that. And so you couldn't have said, I want to have this really gigantic market research firm with all these people that are going to show up and you know, drop in my lap. You just, you can't really plan ahead like that. It's just kind of step by step, right? Oh, totally. I mean, if you had told me at almost 43, I'd be the author of 20 books and I'd have a product line launching at Target, I would like literally, I would laughed in your face. Like there's no way all of those things are going to happen. And it's step by step, you know? And I've been very fortunate, but I, even now, like a big part of my process, I, might look and say, where am I going to be over the next 30 days? But then I really try to zero in on what do I have to do today? And I have to do that because my own schedule can just overwhelm me. I'm sure every single listener and viewer feels the same. Our lives, we're moms, we're caretakers, we're wives, partners. It's all, if you look at the entirety of what we all have to show up to do, it can be very overwhelming. And I'm like, just what do I have to get done today? What is the thing that's going to make the biggest change to move a lot of other things along. And I think really important to realize, especially at the stage when you're trying to birth something new, what do I have to let go of? And that, that is the tough part is to say, what, what is the thing that maybe I can't do that thing if I want to do the next thing and, and, and becoming okay 
and almost making it a very, for me, like a spiritual practice of letting go so that you can say, okay, I'm going to grieve this, you know, and I had to grieve losing a business when I realized it was time to let it go, you know, and I talk even in the book about going through a process of grief of some things. You know, you might grieve the loss of a big idea or a dream that you have decided it it should not come to fruition. But, you know, giving ourselves space for that as well. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. Um, I feel like I'm a collector, uh, which is funny because <laughs> my I have um, two-year-old twin girls and Annie, oh. one of my girls, is just a total collector. She always has like <laughs> so many things in her hands and she just walks around like gathering and as many things as she can hold. She's dropping things. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what it is, but she just wants to hold anything she can find all at the same time. And as you're talking about that, I'm like, I'm kind of that way with projects, with relationships, mm-hmm. with kind of phases of life. I don't want to let go of things. I want to just keep collecting but at some point, like you just can't hold all the things that you have in your arms anymore. I just, that I love that, like just kind of spiritual discipline of letting things go sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, even talking about relationships, right? I think relationships are so integral to really nailing the elevation approach. And my pastor wrote a book called Relational Intelligence. And this is a book that really transformed my life because you realize that it's not just about our people. It's about exactly where they're positioned in our life. And then what our responsibility is, meaning if you call someone a friend, that is a different level of responsibility than if you call someone an associate or if someone is, you know, your mentor or advisor or if someone is someone you're advising, right? You have to know how you're showing up in that relationship. And what I find so often is, we all have, you know, probably very a lot fewer friends than we want to admit we have. Mm-hmm. But when you start saying like, that's my friend, everyone's my friend, my friend, my friend, we forget that we then lock into a responsibility for that relationship, you know? Yeah. And then we have to be really honest with ourselves as to how many relationships can we hold on to in the season we're in and honor them and really show up for our people, you know? And And there are so many different types of fulfilling relationships we can have where both parties feel very fulfilled, right? So just because you say someone is an associate doesn't mean that you don't have amazing relationship. You can have an associate where you have lunch and you are a coworker, you're together once or twice a week. It's a great fulfilling relationship. But if you took that on as a deeper friendship, we know the time involved. And we know it's not just the time, it's like the guilt you might assign yourself for not being able to show up when that person doesn't even have that expectation of you, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's really good. <laughs> I totally don't understand what you're talking about. Um, you mentioned this briefly, but I want to hear... Well, actually, wait, before we get into this, fast forward, tell us, as an entrepreneur, I know that we have our hands in all kinds of things. And so you mentioned Mm -hmm. like picking some things up, letting some things go, you know, writing a bunch of books. What is on your, like not what is your day-to-day because I know that that probably changes a ton, but like what kind of buckets do you have going on in your career right now? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Early... I guess I'll give you the inside scoop since you asked such a good question. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Early early in the year, um, I really like to align with my coach, my business coach, um, around how am I going to allocate my time, right? I think it's the number one thing we're all thinking through is our time allocation. And he gave me a really good exercise to say, well, what are your values? And it really took me down a path of saying, okay, well, let me look at some people I really admire. Let me look at how they live their lives and let me look at what their values are. Let me start asking myself. So it took me a bit of time to get back. And I said, okay, I think what I really like, um, and I referenced my pastor a lot, Darius Daniels, just a genius, smart guy, for yeah. a great person to know if you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. But I just like when I see people I, like who are showing up and doing the things. And it's like, how can I show up and do the things? And mm-hmm. When you talked about F7, I'm like, oh, you know what? Those are my values too. And I started to organize things around, um, you know, first for me, faith, um, and then my family, and then finances. And let's see, what's next? My fitness. And then there's one that that I thought of 
I'm like, wow, this is a big one I need to show up for this year. And it's faculty. And it's really for me, this idea of how do I continue to work on my craft? Hmm. And for any of us, if you're a designer, if you're a writer, if you're a singer, it's not about producing the next thing, right? It's about how do I keep my skill set fresh? And I've never thought about that at any Mm -hmm. point in my career. It was just when I sat down to talk about what do I value, but do I value my creativity? I hugely value my creativity, my livelihood, the other things on my list, providing for my family, providing, creating financial, you know, stability, all those things depend on my ability to create, oh goodness, it was like an aha moment, right? I have to prioritize moments to cultivate my faculty and my creativity. And why did I not think about that before? So if all these different things rely on my creativity and I'm not feeding that, that's a huge blind spot. And it's something I need to focus on for how I'm allocating my time because it's one of the most important things I'm doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. What are you doing now? What are the different, um, the different pieces? Like you spend, you know, I'm like, well, yeah, I guess what are kind of your, your roles at work right now? Uh, so I design a lot and create new products. And so one of the principles of instant elevation in my book is called Get Curious. And that's really about figuring out what sparks the creativity for you, what sparks a big idea. Because a lot of times, you know, I can speak it to being a business owner. We like to solve problems. And the only way you can solve them is to observe them or to know or to, to be in conversation to say, oh, this is a problem, right? So first it's getting myself in that position. Um, travel is big for me, not just getting to a destination, but the experience of travel and that whole process of seeing tons of people, seeing how they're interacting. Um, that's a really important part of of creating uh, you know, and sparking joy, not just joy, but creativity. I do want to make sure like for different, because I know that there are women who are like getting to know you right now. And so I definitely want to know like, you know, you are like, are you, how, like how much of your time is like, you know, I'm writing new books or content creation or like, you know, creating products for me or I'm designing products for other people or, you know, like I'm speaking or things like that. That's, I'm excited for for people to get to hear that if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think, um, so my process right now, I would say I was in a place for two years where I was doing a lot of design, really almost like in a creative bubble. Yeah. And now I'm in a season where I'm taking all the things I created kind of on the road and showing them to people. And it's a very different time. Yeah. And I'm really trying to stay grounded stay connected to my family, you know, because in those periods where you're kind of away, you know, it's just important to be grounded for me, but it ebbs and flows. And I think that's okay. And what I've really been conscious of in this time is how can I make space for me? And I think that's something we all can relate to, right? Like, where do I show up on my calendar? And sometimes it might mean 10 minutes for the day. And I'm going to have to be okay with that. Yeah. And and what do I want to do in my 10 minutes? And so I think we all go through those seasons where we're busier um, and then seasons where we're not as busy, we have more time or we're busy with different things. Um, and the key is to constantly be in a conversation with yourself around what matters now. And that that's what I hope the book really urges you to do is to get to know yourself because you can't identify what work-life harmony means for you if you don't know what you value, what you want to prioritize and what you want to bring to life. Yeah, that makes sense. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. 
Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me, and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing. That is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. So going to the book, you have a new book called The Elevation Approach. Can you tell us a little bit more about how the book came to be and like it's for or like it will help you blank? Sure. So the the book came about, I, I was actually writing middle grade fiction and I was having lunch with a girlfriend talking about a new book I had just finished. And she said, gosh, I wish I could do that. I have an idea. I just don't know how to get it out of my head. And I thought, I know a little something about bringing ideas to life at the time. Wait, I feel like we I, have to pause. You, writing middle grade fiction. Go back to that because I feel like <laughs> I don't know if women are going to know about that. And that's something that I think uh, everyone just needs to know that. So yeah, back up to that. You know, again, an accidental thing that happened. Um, I was full on in my marketing career. And at the time, this think again to like early 2000s, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, Gossip Girl, these big ideas were actually created by a youth marketing company that was similar to mine. And so someone had said to me, oh, you should do the same thing. And I'm like, oh, I'm so busy running my company. I, I don't have time. And then I started doing some research on a new emerging customer called a tween. And I absolutely fell in love with tween girls. And during a focus group, a mom approached me and said, I feel like you would know about things like this. 
my daughter is 10 and she's reading Gossip Girl. I love that she's reading, but I wish it were a little more age-appropriate content. What would you do? And I really thought about this. You know, I'm like, well, I agree. I love that she's reading, but how do we, you know, give high value content at that life stage where it's so critical, you know, to who our girls are becoming to be strong, to invest in, in friendships, to believe in themselves, like all these core values that I thought were super important and that I got from the girls I read about when I was that age. And so that's what really started me on Mackenzie Blue which was my first series with HarperCollins. And then um, back in 2020, I I formed a a partnership with Target and that was for the spinoff series called The Z Files. And then since then, we've done three series together. So The Z Files, Honest June, and my latest project called The Stitch Click. And that one's fun. It's about a tight-knit group of friends. And so, um, you know, I've loved writing those books. I've really loved bringing diversity um, to middle grade fiction and really just, you know, there's so many people on a mission to diversify middle grade fiction, but to have these 14 books and all of these characters and all this joy and, and tween life at Target has been a lot of fun. That is so cool. Okay. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Going back to the elevation approach. So how did, how did this book come about and tell us about it? Yeah. So kind of back to my lunch with my one of my best friends, right? When I was like, oh, I'm doing this new series. And she's like, that's so cool. I have ideas. I just don't know how to get them out of my head, right? And I, I'm an entrepreneur, so I like to solve problems. And I spend a lot of time listening for the moment, listening and observing, you know, what's a need. And what I observed was not really a business case. You know, I, I know how to help people great businesses. It's what I taught when I was running a a program at Wharton called Leadership in the Business World. This was not just about how to help a friend create a business, right? It was more about saying, this is a woman who is a busy wife and mom. And it's not just about her bringing her big dream to life. It's about literally carving out time for herself to define what she wants that dream to be, right? And so I really started thinking about how would I advise this friend? And then that's what really started to build out the elevation approach. I was like, well, I live it. And then I start sketching things. I'm like, well, my life is kind of in these four quadrants, preparation, inspiration, recreation, transformation. And actually it's kind of a cycle. It's actually seasonal. I actually live it every day. And then I started writing more and writing more. And it was almost like writing for a friend, right? So if you think about you know, anyone who has a book idea, it's like, get those words down and talk as if you're talking to a friend. What would you tell them? This is really an approach or a method. So I made and mapped out a methodology and then almost backtracked and realized like, I've been living this for years and really started to plug in what were the big aha moments, right? So it could be first burnout at 27, started vacationing, but was only using that as a tool to de-stress, you know, then fast forward to, you know, 12 years later, my dad gets really sick. I notice how content he is with his life. You know, my dad's a retired pastor. Um, you know, we're I'm at home in Lancaster with him and I'm like, you know, dad's really content and really happy. And how do I get to where he's at? Well, I have to then let go of a few things and tinkered even more. And so I, I will happily say, I feel like for the last two years, I've lived my version of work-life harmony. Um, but I will say collectively, I think we've all started moving towards this idea. I think the pandemic was a really big reset for all of us collectively around how we want to work and how we want to live and how we want to live with like our people and and be with them and what we want that life to look like. And so you know, my biggest hope is that the book really inspires people to figure out what work-life harmony means for them and to them and to then create that path for themselves and to use these tools to help them do that. I love that. I love that. Well, so I know that you have, um, you know, you're sitting with your friend and mm-hmm. she's saying like, how do I, how do I get this thing off the ground? How do I get started? Um, and I know that like, we're sort of summarizing here because uh, mm-hmm. you had a lot more time at lunch with with that friend, and also it's all in the book. But when you're starting something new, or you or you haven't even started yet, how do you get over that hump of like actually moving in that direction? How do you start something? 
Yeah, so there's a very specific reason that the very first instant elevation principle is to declutter your space. Because I feel like it's a signal to something bigger saying I'm ready and I'm willing to put the effort in to start whatever it is that's going to come, right? And I think you have to take a first step, make a move towards what you want. It doesn't mean that the goal or idea won't change. It likely will change, but you have got to make a step. And I feel like the step to start decluttering and making room and making space is almost an act to say, I'm making space for something new to come, you know? And then you can just do one step. I think instead of looking at four phases, 12 steps, just do one. See how that feels and then do the next and see how that feels. And then you just keep moving forward. And, and you'll, I believe you'll continue to move forward if it is feeling good and resonating and you're seeing results. It, you will fly through this like in no time and cultivate it into your life. And you'll just start living those principles all the time to a point where you're like, I feel out of alignment. Oh, what am I doing to create joy? What are my rituals? Have I lost touch on something? Am I a lot more cluttered than I'm used to being? Like all those things will start to pop up for you and and you'll really start to live this. Yeah, that's awesome. What have you done? You know, I know that whenever we're starting something new, we face all kinds of like resistance and rejection and anything, anytime you're going to reach for something big, like it's, we're just not going to hit it all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. What has helped you keep going and like fight that voice in your head that says like, you're not cut out for this? Like how how do you fight back against that and then keep trying? Yeah. So for me, the goal is work-life harmony, right? What I'm working on might change. Um, My family, those relationships are not changing, right? (laughs) So like those are my people. But if I'm busy, not busy, super busy, crazy busy, if a family life takes over, those things change. And so what I think the commitment is, is really making a commitment to your work-life harmony and then giving yourself permission to change anything else that needs to change and having those tools and having your own toolkit. Like I think every single person needs their personal emergency toolkit That toolkit could be, I need to have a call with my best friend. I need to be able to text with my best friend. I need to be able to have my sisters on speed dot. Like whatever it is for you, you have to know the things and you need to know them before a crisis, right? So imagine like, I had a boyfriend in college who like always talked about the black box that had to be in my car, right? Like the car, like you want this box and you have to have, like when you're in a crisis or you're in the accident is not the time to try to source the tools, right? You need them in the car. So in case of emergency, you already have your stuff. You can deal with the emergency. And I, so I, I think you should think about the elevation approach that way, right? You're going through a process to cultivate your emergency toolkit. So when these things show up, because they will, it will not throw you out of work-life harmony. You will say, I got it. I just need to pull a tool and I'm going to fix it. And then I'm going to get back into alignment. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that idea of gathering the toolkit before you need it. Like, obviously, but it's but we don't do it. Um, so having those things in place, if you whatever you, I, I think we know sometimes what the what the doubt is going to be, or the fear, or the tendency, mm-hmm. or something. And so, so knowing like I'm going to need this. This is like mm-hmm. such a random example, but. I have a couple programs that I teach that I teach a couple times a year and that requires like sharing about them in really concentrated chunks and inviting people to be part of them. And that is just such an intimidating, overwhelming thing. And so especially in the very first few years that I was, you know, sharing these and launching them out into the world, I would write myself letters like a mm-hmm. couple weeks before. And it was like, this is my Wednesday letter. Like Wednesday is when all of the doubt crashes down on me. And I'm like, this is terrible. Why would anyone ever want this? And so that's what my Wednesday letter was always for, was like, hey, I know you're thinking this, but here's what's true. Like, keep going. Um, This is what I know you need to hear on Wednesday. And I just had those throughout the weeks or throughout the week. And it was so helpful, but I knew this is my tendency. This is where, this is what's going to try to kind of take me down along the way. And this is what I'm going to need. And I need to keep doing that, actually. That's so good. Yeah. 
And you had your toolkit and it was able to help you do all the things the toolkit, you know, should help you do. So that's so great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about growth. Um, when we have started down a path uh, towards doing something that we want to do, are there some um, like threads that you have discovered along the way from all the work you've done and all the people that you've worked with that like this is a really key component for growth? If you want to take the next step, you need to blank. Um, I would say probably be accountable. You know, if you, if you want to grow, who's keeping you accountable to that desire, right? I think first it's really understanding what that growth means for you and to you. And then it's all the tools that keep you accountable. And, you know, my third principle is know your numbers. And this is not just about finances. It's about, you know, if you're committed to health, what are the key indicators that you're healthy? You know, how do you know those? You know, for me, one of the numbers, I, I mean, I wear my aura ring every day. I check my sleep numbers every single day. I need to understand how ready I am for the day ahead and what kept me from being ready the night before. And if I see a pattern of a series of days of not getting appropriate sleep, it's like, hey, I I know I can't go that long without the right amount of sleep and or it affects everything else. So I know that's a, a number I have to track. And so I think accountability is absolutely the most important thing if, if you want to grow. You know, if you're like, I'm good where I am, I just want to stay, you know, okay, there might be some other important numbers. But if you're like, I, growth is really important, then accountability is going to be incredibly important. That's so good. That's so good. So talk to us about, I know that you were talking about the different Fs and you said faculty. So like growing your skills and, and maintaining your, yeah, your, your skills. And you mentioned creativity. What have you been doing to like, what is, give us some ideas of how we can really invest in our own creativity? Yeah. So first I think it's going back to asking yourself why. Like, what are you, are you creative for yourself? Are you creative for your job? You know, what is it about? If I'm being creative just for me as Tina, that's probably more um, in fashion and style. You know, cooking even is something I will do very personally for me. If it's professionally, then it's how am I sourcing colors and fabrics? How am I designing new patterns? I need to travel. I need to, what are the places I need to travel to? What places are really inspiring me? What colors are really inspiring me? That's a very different motivation than I'm going to go to a cooking class because I want to learn something new and I want to try, I want to learn how to make a new sauce or something. You know, if I'm trying to get inspired to make a really interesting meal, I might go to like a Williams Sonoma and just see like who has a new cookbook or what's a new recipe or open a magazine and see what the recipe of the week is. Um, so there are different versions of inspiration or, you know, things that spark creativity for me based on why. So I think you first have to answer the question, why? And then you can start to build your toolkit there. Mm. Okay. Okay. That's really great. Tell me a little bit, like if you, this is just, I'm such a traveler. I'm so, I could travel constantly and be so happy. Um, what does it look like for you to travel for inspiration? Like, what do you, what do you do while you're there? That like, like I know what a, you know, like a work trip, like you, a lot of times you like don't leave the conference center or, um, <laughs> you know, a, a vacation, like a lot, sometimes you just go, you know, there's like the fly and flop. So you just go and you lay on a beach chair. Like <laughs> what does it look like? Um, or what are some of the things that you've done on different trips to kind of like stock the pond of your creativity? Yeah. So before I go, I'm a big researcher. I love to read blogs of interesting people. A lot of times I get my travel, uh, like references or inspiration from articles I've read about people where I'm like, oh, that's a really creative person. Where do they go? Um, and then I, before I go, I have a list of places I want to go. I have a list of stores I want to visit, a list of not just a typical tourist thing to do. I'm more of like, oh, are there stores um, where there are you know female founded brands? A lot of times when I'm doing 
work travel and it's places I haven't been before, I'll actually ask the organizer, can you take me to um, a female founder collective or um, a place uh, where, or can I meet female makers and buy goods from them? I was in, I think it was Jamaica speaking at a conference and we had a really fun girls night and there were a bunch of women who were fashion designers, they were beauty founders, they came together, I gave them some advice and then and then we had like a shopping event. And so it was super fun, but it was because I asked, I said, hey, I'm coming and I'm gonna do a little bit of shopping. I don't have a ton of time, but I wanna support other female founded brands. Can you help? And so, you know, I would say, don't just go to the restaurant on the resort, obviously be safe in whatever you're doing, but find those little gems because as you're walking into the Hinjedon restaurant, is the inspiration wall that you take a photo of, right? There, those are the moments you're looking for. Or where you're going to that super interesting store that the locals go to where you get a little bit more inspiration. So I just say challenge yourself beyond, you know, what a tourist or what people would want a tourist to do in a certain place. I often find that I need to do that, right? Like I'm like, okay, I want to do something a little bit different here, um, but it takes a. I do a lot of pre work before I end up on a trip. That's really cool. That's so awesome. Um, tell us. You, we've we've mentioned. We've we've kind of talked about this. Talked around this this idea of work life harmony. What can that? I guess. I want to know what that looks like for you right now. Like, what are some of the the ways that you know you're out? Of harmony, or some of the things that you're you're really shooting for, and then maybe what does that look like for you in a different season of life? Because I know it's all like it's mm-hmm. always changing, right? Yeah, it definitely changes. I mean, I think it's a feeling. I think it's really hard to say to someone else, "This is what it feels like to be out of alignment." And the reason I say that, so imagine you're cooking your favorite dish, and there's no recipe. Only you know the right ingredients, but you know it instantly when something is not right that you've added to the mix, right? You're like, oh, that's not the flavor I want. Um, your work-life harmony is that personal. And so um, it sometimes you may not know exactly what it is. I mean, the reason there are 12 principles of instant elevation is because I really hope that helps you identify, oh, I'm not doing something to create joy or I'm not letting go of things, right? It can help you get to, to understanding. So what I will say is it starts with a feeling that something just feels off and don't ignore a feeling that something just feels off. Really dig into why does it feel that way and how can I, you know, okay, what do I need to do about it? But if you can't get quiet and get still to see that something is off, How do you then diagnose that and get to a solution? And so the biggest thing you have to do is create opportunities for check-ins with yourself so that you can get clear on what needs to be fixed. And I think to answer your question in other seasons, I would have never quieted enough to be able to actually say something's off. I would have been just going, 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 hustling, 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 and not ever been able to pay attention to the fact that something's really off. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. For women who are, well, okay, I have one more question and then I just want to see if you have any last encouragement for women who are like your friends that you had lunch with that day. What is something that you have made and what is something that you have done? So two different things that you Mm. are like super duper proud of. And I want to pause. I love asking this question because I think that we're Mm. so often taught to not like brag, you know? And so it's like, you know, something great will happen. And it's like, I text my mom, I text my mom, you know, because it just feels weird to, to talk about those things. But it's so fun to get to hear what other people are proud of. And so let's start with make. What is something that you have made or designed or written that you are like just super duper proud of? Oh, goodness. I feel like my answer is going to be the same in this season. Um, you know, I've made a product line that's at Target. Um, a home office line. And so I'm super proud of that entire line and you know, 18 different products that I really hope bring work-life harmony to your home. Um, I get to use them every day. I have been for a while. Um, and obviously the book that's coming with the brand, I think the two of them together uh, is great and feels great. Um, and the thing I've done, I think that I'm most proud of is really living the elevation approach. And getting myself out of a place where I was successful. You know, I I was in a place where 
on the outside, things looked really great. And so I think for anyone who's listening or watching this, there are times in life when other people think we're thriving and we know we're not. And so I think I'm most proud of getting myself out of a place where I wasn't thriving and getting myself into a place where I was on my own terms, um, really defined by what work-life harmony meant for me and not really defined by others' expectations for me or how I should show up. Um, and that was really hard because I, it's not hard when something is failing and you walk away from it. It's really hard when something is thriving, but you feel like you are not thriving. And so I had a career and a name and an industry and all those things were going well. So the outside world, there was zero reason for me to pivot. You know, I just realized I wanted something new and different. And so um, I'm proud of it because it was really hard to walk away. And also, um, again, to your listeners and viewers, like they might relate to the guilt of it, to the guilt of choosing to not continue something where you're doing really well or feeling like you're letting other people down who had an expectation of where your career should go in that season. And I think it's the best thing I ever did to not live up to those expectations because we all only individually live our own lives, right? And we we follow friends and we want to be inspired, but only you know what it's like to struggle with what you're dealing with. And you've got to reset that for yourself. And what I found is when I did it, it made being around me better for a lot of other people. And it really brought a lot of joy back to relationships. And so really proud of having done that. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. Um, Tina, thank you so much for being on the show. I just, I'm so glad that we got to connect. Thank you so much, Stephanie. This is great. Friends, isn't Tina amazing? I just love her and I loved this conversation and I am so happy I got to share it with you. One thing I wanted to mention quickly is I know we talked about a lot in today's episode. And so if you want to find the links to any of those things, all you have to do is go to my website. It's girlsnightpodcast.com and for every episode, we'll have a blog post with the show notes. All the links will be there for everything we talked about, including all of Tina's contact info so that you can follow her and so that y'all can be friends. The other thing I wanted to mention is that if you haven't had a chance yet, it would mean so much to me if you would take just a second to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. We've gotten so many amazing five-star reviews from y'all and you've left the sweetest comments. I can't tell you how much it means to me and it also helps out the podcast more than you can imagine. So if you haven't yet, please take just one quick second to leave us a rating and a review. Thanks so much. All right, friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week for another episode of Girls' Night and you are going to love this next one. I'll see you then.